the first Keeping It 94 of 2023. New Year's is over, holidays are over, and we're into the winter season of a brand new year. Nothing's changed really in the NBA. People are still making a ton of jumps, falls. Look at the standings. The same story, same old song and dance. You think a team is buried? Forget that. They're going to make a run and win two or three. Think a team's at the top? Oh, they're going to go in and drop a clunker on the road. Like the Celtics going into OKC at full strength against a Shea Gilgis Alexanderless Thunder team and give up 150 points in a loss. That's just how wild it's been. You know what else has been wild? Scoring performances. Every other night, someone's doing something historic. You know, a couple weeks ago, you got Nicole Jokic putting up a ridiculous triple double. Then you get Luka Doncic, you know, recording the first 60 point, 20 rebound triple double in NBA history. You look at Monday, Donovan Mitchell, 71 points, 11 assists rebounds away from a triple-double. He had 55 in the second half against the Bulls as the Cavs were down by more than 20 going into that game. And then <laughs> you just see more happen. On Tuesday night, Giannis Antetokounmpo sets his career high, drops 55, grabs 10 boards, dishes out seven dimes. It's wild, guys. Things are going crazy. And we're glossing over the fact that that Joel Embiid had a 42.11 rebound game. We're glossing over the fact that LeBron James, who's 38 years old, had 42, 43 points in a near triple-double or had a triple-double, whatever it was. It's just happening everywhere. The league is insane. I mean, it's old hat. Who cares about De'Aaron Fox dropping 24 in the fourth quarter on the road in Utah to lead the Kings to a win over the Jazz? Who, who cares about that? 37, that's nothing. It's wild, guys. It's crazy, but the NBA is in a very good place with these individual scorers and and, and incredible performances that are happening. Wow, it's been fun to watch. And, you know, that's a term that we've used throughout this entire season uh, on this podcast. And, you know, it's just kind of like deja vu, Groundhog Day all over and over and over again. But you're just seeing so many terrific individual performances that you can't not talk about them it's literally insane and how difficult it's going to be to pick MVP it's going to be extremely difficult to pick all NBA these are not easy things to to decide but on the first podcast of 2023 for keeping in 94 I'm Spencer Davies he's Brian Fritz we're going to break it all down and we're going to talk about some of the hot teams, some of the not-so-hot teams, and, you know, some things that are are going wrong with the Suns. We've got some things going very, very right for the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, I'm sure that we're going to get into some healthy debate, unlike some other networks, uh, as we've seen this week. You mentioned it when it comes to the scoring binge. It is a fun time to watch the NBA right now because of how talented that league is right now. This is as talented, I think, as the NBA has been in a long, long time. There's been plenty of talent over the years. We need to talk about the collective amount of talent in the league right now. 
it it's unheard of. And I know some people will try to say, well, there's a lack of defense going on. I would counter that by saying, no, the defense is great. It's just we in any league. It doesn't matter if you're talking about basketball. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the NFL. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the NHL or Major League Baseball. Offense is always going to trump defense. It's always going to. There's always going to be more output. And you see the offensive talent right now in the NBA and what they're able to do. Some of it's against good defenses. It's just that the league is bigger, stronger, faster, and more talented than we've ever seen. And guess what? Shooting is a talent. Shooting is an incredible talent. I would argue it's the most important talent because guess what? That's what where you get points from. And people want to discount shooting sometimes. And oh, back in the day, they didn't even have a three-point shot. They didn't take it. Well, guess what? They weren't smart enough to take them back then because now we have analytics. And guys are making them. They're making them sometimes at a 40% clip for some of these players. It's incredible. And that's why we're seeing these ridiculous numbers like you just mentioned. When it comes to Donovan Mitchell going off for 71 or Luka having 60 or Look at the numbers since Christmas when it comes to the average of some of these guys. Luka averaging over 43 points. Giannis, 42 and a half. Jokic over 29. And by the way, that goes along with over 10 rebounds and 10 assists. LeBron's averaging over 36 and a half points. And Joel Embiid is at 35 and a half. This is all just since Christmas. It's nice. Yeah, it's it's it wonderful. Is. It's wonderful to watch, though. It is no, it, and it's it, if you're a fan, like I, I don't know how you can enjoy it. Like, it, you know, you're you're mentioning you know some of these averages. Giannis has scored forty in three straight games. I think Luca was averaging forty eight in his uh, Western Conference Player of the the Week uh, uh, award that he just earned. Uh, the thing about the Donovan Mitchell one. Oh, and by the way. I apologize sincerely to Mr. Clay Thompson, who dropped 54 on the same night that Donovan Mitchell had 71. Yeah. Uh, Donovan, what what impressed me about what Donovan did, though, is he scored 55 of his in the second half, and every single part of of his game was necessary for the Cavs to come back against the Bulls. They were real sluggish, and Chicago was really hitting them hard. DeMar DeRozan was having a great game. I think that uh, Io DeSunmu was having a good one. Um, Patrick Williams played well against it for a couple. Um, Alex Caruso, I, we're not going to get into that tangent for you, but he played some really good defense on Donovan in the first half. But for Donovan, scoring 55 in the second half plus overtime, he was also responsible for creating 28 points. He was responsible for 99 points that the Cavs scored. That is incredible. Uh, they had somewhere around 135 or 145. I can't remember what it was. But it was the the second most in NBA history to Wilt Chamberlain, and guess what the game was that that, that Wilt Chamberlain does that he's the one where where he scored a hundred points right he had two assists in that game so he was responsible for a hundred four points Donovan Mitchell was responsible for ninety nine points for Cleveland that night and again they were down like twenty plus points and they had to really muster and will their way back. And uh, even though there was a lane violation that they that they said in the two minute report, and Jared Allen, you know, had traveled on one of those assists that we were just talking about, you know, that was still a, a historic night and one that no one's going to ever forget. Unfortunately, I was not in the building for that one uh, of all games for me not to attend. But uh, you know, to be watching it um, was 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 just incredible sight, especially you know for what was going on, you know, just three hours south of the, the, you know, what was where we were watching. I was going to make that joke about 
how Donovan's number was fake because of that two-minute report and the lane violation. But you know what? He still made those shots. I mean, say what you will. I mean, yeah, he scored 13 in overtime and to help him get to the 71. He, he still made all of those shots. And some of them, like you said, were so incredible. And he had to do 20 it. 20 and 25 from the free throw line. I, That's the one that also stands out to me. He was just getting attack, attack, attack mode. And, you know, even some of them were a little ticky-tack. But this at the same time, like... They were, again, all necessary to kind of further that performance along. And, you know, I even wrote an article about it on basketballnews.com if you really want to see the details and stuff. But Kevin Love said that was the, the best individual performance he's seen in 15 years. And you know who he's played with. Yeah. <laughs> he's played with somebody else that's been pretty good that's had some uh, yeah. particularly big performances. And Spida set the, the all-time franchise record for most points scored. Uh, in a single game in uh, the franchise history. So one hell of an effort from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, You know, we can't gloss over what Luka did just a week prior, five days prior, um, who was the first one to get the the rebound off of a free throw miss um, in a a huge nine-point comeback with with 33 seconds to go in the game. How does that even happen? Nine points down, 33 seconds to go in a game, and you come back and you win. Well, you got to credit, you know, Christian Wood gets it started with one of those uh, long-range uh, threes, and then uh, Spencer Dinwiddie hit a big one, and, you know, eventually they were just able to kind of uh, tic-tac their way back into it. I think they had a couple buckets and then, um, you know, got a stop in the other end, and what did the Knicks do? They fouled up three, just like the 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 Bulls did on, on Donovan Mitchell, and just wasn't in the cards, apparently. It's crazy. It, it's ridiculous, and the way... The way Luca pulled that free throw miss off was perfect. Oh, it was incredible. It was perfect. And was then, didn't he do it like a night, another night, uh, like a uh, couple nights later or something? It was. It, he scored like fifty-one uh, a night, a game after. It's just right. like okay, all right, dude. Let's 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 hit the chill button here for a minute. Like, like he he's talking about needing a recovery beer after that game, man. He, get him all of the beers, man. It, it's it, he's been so crazy good this year but like again we can't just say he's the only one who's been doing it I mean Nikola Jokic even though his numbers haven't been as glossy as we're used to uh in the last couple of games I mean we know what he's capable of because he had a ridiculous stat line um just a a couple weeks ago I think right after we recorded our last podcast uh and I want to look that up yeah he had he had 41, 15, and 15. See, this is look, this is like old hat at this point. Like, I'm looking at these numbers. Oh, yeah, 40, 27, and 10 uh, on December 18th is one of them. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I was loving it. Michael Malone was joking in the locker room after a win. He's like, Nicole Jokic got his 8,000th triple-double. Like, he was just, like, at the very end of all of the praise he was giving to his team. But And that was uh, after, you know, a critical win um, the other night. Um, they did just drop one to to the Timberwolves, and I know that he probably doesn't, you know, like that. But um, you know, they did a good job at beating the Celtics um, in, a, in a home game that you know was a, a, a battle of two of the best in the in the league. And lo and behold, behind Nikola Jokic, behind Jamal Murray, um, I think we got to give a credit to to Aaron Gordon for what he's been able to do, and Michael Porter Jr., the returning Michael Porter Jr. Um, they're at the the top of the West now. Again, this is. It, you know, it's it's almost like Russian roulette in the Western Conference when you can 
pick to see who's going to be next at the top. You know, is it going to be Sacramento, who's been extremely hot, even though Domitus uh, Sabonis has uh, sprained his thumb or or, uh, broken a ligament in his thumb. He's fighting through it. And again, mentioned De'Aaron Fox there at the end of the fourth uh, with a big win in in Utah. You look at Dallas. We just mentioned what Luka's been doing. New Orleans, probably going to slide a little bit because Zion Williamson going down with a hamstring injury and hoping that he gets back soon um, and sooner than later because they've been... Um, you know, playing a really good brand of basketball. But, um, you know, Memphis, uh, are they the next ones to be at the top of the the West because of what John Moran is doing? And Jaron Jackson Jr. being, I think, maybe head and shoulders above the the favorite for being Defensive Player of the Year at the moment. Um, well, if you listen you know, to John and, Moran, he's not worried about the rest of the West. Well, there is, I will say, like uh, kind of taking away a little bit, uh, I, I think that when they play Western Conference teams, uh, they need to have a little bit more focus, and they did against Sacramento the other night uh, on the first day of the the new year. Um, you know, I, I think uh, they they are very very full of energy. Um, I need to watch more of them. I'm not going to get on some tangent, but they did lose back to back games uh, to the Warriors and Suns after he made those comments, right? Um, but you bounce back, you win one in Toronto, then you beat a Pelicans team that had been playing some very good basketball, and then you, you come back and beat the Kings, uh, both games at home there. Um, so like they're, they're, they're going to take off here soon. And remember, Desmond Bain um, still on the mend, and you have a lot of talent that is just waiting to, to kind of get together and, and play better. Um, you know, Desmond Bain still not himself yet. But he's, you know, he's been back for, um, you know, a little while, and you have Jaron Jackson Jr., who's really coming into his own um, and playing some good, good basketball when he's not in foul trouble, of course. <laughs> uh, but Ja, I mean, you you look at just all of the the team contributions that you're getting uh, from these guys, even down to Tyus Jones, who who's one of the best backups in the league. Um, I think you got to give him a ton of credit. Steven Adams setting the hard screens, getting the boards. Um, it's just a good good feel right now that they have, and uh, they're trusting these guys. Um, and, and, and again, they could be at the top of the West before we know it. And I feel like we do the same podcast over and over again, but we don't know who's going to be on top. It, it's the way that the league is going right now because especially in the Western Conference, there are so many teams – that are still tight. We can run it down. I mean, you look right now, the, the difference between seeds one and through nine are four and a half games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a hot streak right mm-hmm. there. And and like you said before, you know, there are teams that they'll go on a five-game winning streak and then they'll lose three in a row. And this has been happening to just about everybody for the entire season. And, yeah. you know, injuries are such a big deal. Like you said, you know, when you talk about Zion's going to be missing three weeks, that's going to be a big deal. They've still been without Brandon Ingram. You know, we'll see when Desmond Main gets back. I think one of the crazy things that's going on right now is as much as Golden State has struggled, they're now 6-3 and three without Steph Curry. And Clay Thompson has stepped up in a big way. We've mentioned that 54-point game he had on Monday. How about Looney with his 20 boards and none, none bigger than the game winner the other night? Oh man, that was fun and oh, that, that was wonderful. I mean, you want to talk about a team that's, the, the, that's a little the call off on that was great too. Like, uh, <laughs> Looney, no, Looney, no, Looney, yes. You know, I mean, just to, to watch that. I mean, 
Um, a little double OT dub. People talking about Clay Thompson and where his game has been. And I know that he took a lot of criticism, you know, even like those comments from Charles Barkley early in the year. But Clay is back to being Clay. Maybe he's a step slower on defense. So be it, man. Look at what this guy has overcome. Torn Achilles, torn ACL. It's an amazing story. He helped them win a championship. He played big minutes you know, last year, important minutes, especially in the finals. And yes, he's still up and down sometimes, but now he's more up than down. And he puts up a 54-point night in carrying the Warriors to an important home win the other night. And I think uh, you have to give a ton of credit to Dante DiVincenzo too. He's not going to get the, the, the flashiest of numbers, but I mean, if you remember, he was a big part of that Bucks team. He wasn't you know, a part of, of that run that they had and, and they were really missing him, but he was a huge part of that team on the defensive end, making those scrappy plays, uh, making some big shots. And it looks like he's healthy. And there's a, that's a big reason they went and picked him up. He's not going to be there to be the, you know, go-to guy. You know who that is right now? It's Jordan Poole. And Steve Kerr actually made a really good point the other day is that Jordan's starting to understand what it feels like to be Steph. Not from the, the fact that Jordan Poole is Steph. It's the attention that he's getting. He's getting the traps. He's getting the doubles. And Jordan is learning how to cope with that. And that's led to a lot of turnovers for Jordan. But at the same time, that attention that he's drawing away is opening things up for other guys. You know, Kuminga's been really solid, um, you know, coming off the bench for them. He's done a really good job of of really pacing that second unit and and stepping up when the the team has asked of him. You know, you look at you know a guy like Ty Jerome who was a really big piece um, the on on Christmas. Uh, you know, he, he's had his share of ups and downs, obviously, but as of late, he's been a very competent basketball player off the bench for them, um, and and one who's solid is not gonna um, hurt you too much on the offensive end. It, I think Draymond is playing really inspired ball too right now. I, th- I think a lot of these guys, when you know Steph goes down, they're thinking to themselves, "Okay, you know everyone's going to put us away, but why not keep us afloat until our MVP candidate player comes back?" You know? Oh, absolutely. It's helped that they've had more home games as well because they've been so abysmal on the road. We're yeah. still they've only won three out of nineteen games, but I mean, being seventeen to two at home. And, you know, you lose stuff, but at least you get, you know, a favorable schedule when it comes to being back at home. That has helped. But guys have stepped up in the different roles, like you said. And, you know, Jonathan Kaminga, I think, has played a lot better, you know, as well. You mentioned DiVincenzo. So, I mean, guys are coming around into the roles and, you know, they were, what were they? they Were were they down to the 11 seed even? I mean, they were back up at nine, two games over 500. I mean, you talk about how tight the the standings are, especially in the West. I mean, the Mavericks not too long ago were below five hundred. It felt like they've won seven in a row. Now they're you know they're twenty two and sixteen. Mm-hmm. I'll give you this is here's a team that this is going to you know tickle your heart. The Sacramento Kings are four, yes. four games over five hundred. Yeah, they're at the five seed. They've won three of four. I'm yeah. going to tell you right now, Spencer. By the end of the month. I would not be surprised that the Sacramento Kings were one of the top three teams in the West. And here's why. I'm going to tell you what their schedule is for the month of January, for the rest of the month. Like I said, they've won three or four. Tell me when you get frightened off this schedule. Okay? Home for the Hawks, 
home for the Lakers, home for the Magic, home for the Rockets, home for the Rockets, at the Spurs, at the Lakers, home for OKC, home for Philly, home for Memphis, home for Toronto, at Minnesota, at Minnesota. And if you want to keep it going into February, at the Spurs. I mean, those three road games are the beginning of a, of a seven-game road trip. There's only a couple of teams there that are below or above 500 in that mix. They have a very, very easy schedule here in the month of January, and they can really do some damage here. Yeah, I, I would say that stretch that starts with Philly, that three-game stretch is probably the most you know intimidating. I think the Lakers are playing some pretty you know inspired ball still. Uh, so, so I would say that those aren't exactly like give me games. I don't know what the hell the, the Timberwolves are. They, I don't think they know what they are. I think they feel they. I don't think they, Chris Finch knows what they are because I, he's basically I, I, throwing I, his hands up. I just, I, I don't know. But, but as far as the Kings go, good man, good. They're battle tested. They've played some tough teams already to this point. They and they're getting a little soft spot. So you got to take advantage of it. You got to stay healthy. Again, as I mentioned in the open, Domas is playing through a fractured limit ligament in his thumb. Like that, you know, that's all about pain management. You we gotta hope that that stays that way. Uh that that it continues to to get better throughout the season. Um, you've got to get the continuous, you know, belief that they've had. I you know, I, I think that they're just playing some really they want to play winning basketball right now, just like as they have the entire season. It didn't start out great, and then they, you know, they found something. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how Keegan Murray continues to grow um, alongside Fox and Sabonis. Um, Herder not as hot as he was at the beginning of the year, but he's still a threat out there on the floor. So you got to close out. That creates a lot of space. What? The space do it lets De'Aaron Fox go in there with reckless abandon, like he did against the Jazz yesterday, uh, before he hit the the game dagger. So you know, I I really like them. I they got to get maybe a little a little deeper, if I had to guess. Uh, you know, not in the sense of, of 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 guard play. I think Davion Mitchell and Malik Monk are absolutely perfect off the bench for them. Um, but Trey Lyles, you're gonna you know see a little bit of inconsistency with him. Um, I don't think I ever see that dude um, not pump fake and dribble when he's out there on the three-point line. He's got to start letting it fly um, or just putting it on the deck. Everyone's seeing the pump fake coming at this point. Um, They need to find a backup big. That is uh, paramount, especially you need some insurance for uh, Sabonis, who's taking a lot of hits there at the five, but playing his best basketball and leading the league in rebounds. Um, you know, I, I, they're, they're getting some good minutes again out of Casey, uh, Casey Okpala on the defensive end. Maybe not so much yesterday at four fouls, but, uh, those are things that you have to be able to do at the, the, the deadline to, to kind of bolster this roster. I think, and they have some moves to do that. I think they have some moves that they can make with the salary structure of that team, especially when it comes to Harrison Barnes, who's on an expiring deal that, uh, there's going to be plenty of teams around the league that would like him. And like I said, he is on an expiring deal for $18 million. So you look at this team, they've been consistent on offense. They're a top six offense right now when it comes to efficiency. They've been up in the top 10 for most of the season. It's on the other end of the court. They've gotten a little bit better, but they're still part of the lower third. And that's where they need to improve a little bit more. But if their offense can keep up the way that it has, and if they can pull out some of these tight games, which they have proven to do plenty of times, then 
you can overcome some of those defensive issues, at least during the regular season. And, you know, what's wild to me, too, about this, though, is that Rashawn Holmes used to be able to be a perfect backup big. And Rashawn Holmes, once last year, at some point, we were talking about him being a fringe all-star. So it's crazy to me how things can change. You know, coaching staff changes things. Um, But he's just clearly not, you know, getting it done. And uh, Chemezi Metu, who was originally Sabonis' backup and was playing okay earlier in the year, um, has been completely ousted from the rotation. So they're still trying to figure that part out. Um, and, and Mike Brown's still trying to figure that part out. He wants defense from his backup big. And uh, they're going to have to find somebody that can do it. And maybe, you know, they can scour again the trade market uh, for that. That's what they're going to have to do. I think there's a lot of teams that are looking for backup bigs right now. So it's going to be a competitive market when it comes to that. Because um, I think that the Kings are looking. I think the Nets are looking. I think the Nuggets are looking for a backup big. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Lakers are looking for a backup big. I mean, the Lakers are looking for a lot of things. But, I mean, that's one of the th- places that they're looking at because of the injury to um, Anthony Davis. And, by the way, it sounds like all sides are pointing, you know, in the right direction when it comes to AD, saying that, uh, you know, the injuries had in his foot is feeling a lot better. You know, he's supposed to be tested again in about a week, week and a half. And if, and if the pain has subsided even more, and he said it was already down to like a two out of 10, then he's going to start ramping it back up. And I think he could be back on the court here in, you know, two, three weeks. I mean, the- shall we reveal the text message when he got hurt to see what your opinion was at first? Oh, geez. By the way, <laughs> by the way, hey, Anthony Davis did say he's had bone spurs in his foot and he might've had those going back to his college days. Like, yeah. Ee. So how bad was the text? How bad? No, the text was basically saying that the late, you know, his season's done. Why are they hiding this from us? Blah blah blah. And there was a lot of questions <laughs> about it. Like everybody was wondering, and and the thing was, they were it's actually just funny. Just when, like, when you hear, typically, when you say multiple doctors, that is, oh my god, he needs surgery, and we're just trying to find one doctor that says he doesn't. Okay, but instead, it's because it was this stress injury that's tough to really look at. And they wanted multiple people to make sure they're all on the same page saying he did not need surgery. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, it's one of those normal knee jerk reaction things. And unfortunately with AD, you get that because he has gone through so many injuries and it's particularly frustrating, you know, whether you're a Laker fan or even just an NBA fan, because he was back playing at such a high level. And then to once again, see this injury and to compound the whole thing is that before the season began, that team had um, a way to get out of it. They had a trade that was ready to be pulled, and then they got cold feet because they would have had Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, but they didn't want to give up both of their you know, first-round picks that they have available coming up here, the tradable first-round picks, which I want to put that caveat on because everybody acts like it's the only first-round picks that they have for the next 30 years. It's the only two tradable picks that they have right now for first-round picks. But uh, – you look at what Turner and Heald are doing this year. Um, Buddy Heald, by the way, is on a burner again right now where he's shooting How like about the Pacers in general, dude. Like, <laughs> is there a more team? I mean, tell me of a team that's more fun to watch than the Pacers this year. Just run and gun. Run and gun, man. Run and gun. And they've a got a bunch s- of youthful energy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be curious to see what happens with them here at the trade deadline because there's two things. Okay, number one. People say, well, maybe they still want to get off money when it comes to Buddy Heald because he's owed, you know, over $20 million next year. 
okay, if and they will open up cap space. Tell me the last time a big time free agent signed with the Indiana Pacers in free agency. Please, somebody, tell me. Now, mind you, they could trade for somebody using that space, but there's that. And the other is what's going to happen with Miles Turner, who has an expiring deal. They've already said like they're open. Malcolm Brogdon was the last one. That's it. I think. Yeah. And if you consider that a big name, like I'm not saying he's not. Or yeah. Not saying he's not. But I mean, when it comes to Miles Turner, you know, his deal is up, but they're already saying like, we'll negotiate with him. Maybe we want to talk extension, by the way. So um, Bobby Marks talked about this the other day. Uh, ESPN's Bobby Marks about how the Pacers are in a very unique situation in that not only can they give him an extension, but because they have so much cap space, they can actually do a renegotiation of his current deal which means they could renegotiate his deal this year, give him more money this year. And then when it comes to future years on an extension, they can actually reduce the number. So like he's owed $18 million this year. Okay. That's his current contract, but they can give him up to another $18 million. Cause I believe the max for somebody with his many years and, and his money is like 36 and I apologize if I'm getting any of this wrong, but I believe this is what he said. So they can get him up to 36, but then when it comes to future years, because normally you get, you know, the, what is it, 5% of raise per year, they can actually lower his base salary by um, 40%. So his average salary could be starting in future years at like $22 million. So they could theoretically give him like a four-year, $100 million extension going forward off his current pay without even going to but also giving him more money this year as well. Most times you cannot do a renegotiation like that, but they can because they have so much cap space. So uh, I'll be very curious to see what happens there because uh, to me, the only way he gets traded now is if he flat out tells them, I'm not signing here. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to look elsewhere because they can give him just as much, if not more money than anybody else, because they can give more money this year plus a new deal. Hmm. What do you think about Ben Matherin? I mean, he has just been incredible to watch him play, and and I think right this out this has of the gone game, long on more than than just a couple weeks. Like this yeah. is a thing. This is a thing, and it, there's a maturity <laughs> level with him too, where he understands a lot on the court, which. You would think for somebody being a rookie and being in that position, it would take a little bit longer time. But just the way that that team plays, it plays perfectly to his strengths, I think, and what he's been able to do. It's a really good and, point. And, you know, it's you, Halliburton, the way that he's running and gunning, he's got Matherin, he's got Heald, Turner's hitting shots on the outside. I mean, they Duarte just came back and they haven't really done too much with him yet, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's because, you know, Andrew Nemhard has now kind of stepped in there. He's not going to give you the the the, the shoddy, the, the craziest, you know, offensive numbers, but he's one of the best, you know, defenders at his position for his age already. Yeah. So that's also playing a factor into it. You think you got to get minutes for Tyrese Halliburton. You got to get minutes for Buddy Heald the way he's been playing. I mean, originally the plan probably wasn't this. They probably didn't see it coming. That they were ready to pull that. Be- the deal with the Lakers was done. 
It was done. It was the Lakers that got cold feet and weren't going to do it. And then the Pacers came out and they play this crazy style. They come out of the gate strong. They played strong since then. Turner's having arguably his best season. Buddy Heald's having his best season. They've got a style and they've got an ownership group that has never, ever wanted to tank. That ownership group has always wanted to be competitive. The last time that they had a lottery pick, I believe, was Paul George. Paul George. That's a little while back. That's a little while back, man. So, I mean, if they want to do something, I mean, they can. If they if they think they can get assets for Buddy Heald and say, well, we can put Matherin right in the starting lineup. Yeah, you can. To me, I, they wouldn't do that during the season. That's something, to me, they would visit in the offseason. Same with Turner. I think with Turner, I don't think he's going to get traded. And I think they'll be like, you know what? We'll give you a renegotiation for this year. And then come the offseason, we're going to sign you to the extension, but there'll be kind of that wink, wink. We already know he's going to sign the extension. You know, I, I don't think they're going anywhere and I, and I wouldn't mess with it as, as long as you get the feeling that Turner especially wants to be there. And I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, Hey, before the season, when all the, the chatter was going on that he was going to be traded out West, he did that podcast with Woj. It was more or less saying like, Hey Lakers, use the picks. I'm ready to come. And the Lakers had their their meeting behind scenes, which is like um, I heard <laughs> I heard the Lakers front office compared to an episode of Succession, which um, probably fits it perfect. And I can only imagine the opinions being thrown around and why they poo pooed that trade. <laughs> it's all playing in your head. There's all these scenarios going around the room, debates. Okay. No uh, talks here on the Laker trade talk. You already wrote about that. Cheap plug. You wrote about that. That's on our website, Basketball News. Seven trade ideas. And some with some legs and some realism to them. So, guys, go read that. Brian did a terrific job. Thank you. And and here's the thing, too. Um, I know some people were wondering, like, oh, my God, what kind of crazy ideas is this guy come up with? You know, oh, here we go. Laker guy going to put up all these nut things. And I was just like, I'm, there's plenty of options to be realistic about that they could actually do that are going to be talked about that have already been talked about. So there was nothing too wild. And the caveat on the whole thing too was none involved Russell Westbrook. None. Yes. You guys, you got to aim for the teams that are, are starting to go the wrong direction. And, you know, there's not too many of them, but... There's three of them that were involved in in that article. Well, even look so. at the Wizards, who right after that, I mean, they they won five in a row until they lost last night. Correct. So, and and Bradley Beal unfortunately left the game again because of a hamstring injury. Oh man, that's that thing's gonna linger. Not to interrupt, but I mean, Bradley Beal he, he's, he's had the hardest time staying on the floor this year, and it's it, you know it's a sad sight to see because we know how talented he is. We know how well he's been able to play off of Kristaps Porzingis. Um, and Kyle Kuzma with the season that he's had, but Beal just cannot stay healthy this year. And it's the first time, you know, his Supermax deal kicks in. And, you know, this kind of has been a, a, a tough season for him um, in that respect. So it just sucks to see. But the, the Wizards, like you said, they, they've been playing better because Rui Achimura has come back and he's been a, a mid-range machine. Um, DeLon Wright, just the effect, the effect on winning that that guy has is crazy. Um, the the way that that he defends and is able 
um, to, to play with pace and to, to really frustrate his opponents. I mean, it's really the defensive end, what they've done um, because it, you know, it was a decent stretch of teams that they played in that winning streak. They played, they were at the Kings. They, they beat the Sixers. They beat the Suns. Um, you know, and then they, they went on the road and beat the magic and the bucks. Um, the, the second game in Milwaukee, they did a, a in a way away, um, series with the bucks. So they split it because last night they, they did not um, win obviously with Giannis going bonkers, but, um, it's just kind of encouraging to see, um, how DeLon's effect has really, you know, come into play. And again, Rui Achimura being, being healthy and I think is a, a big part of that as well. And Kristaps Porzingis winning Easter Conference Player of the Week. So uh, big, big uh, stuff there on that end. What do you think happens with Washington? Because there's been so much talk about could they make a move, you know, when it comes to Kuzma, who's set to be a free agent. They've also said they want to build around Kuzma and Porzingis and Beal. But here we go again with Beal the Wizards. Beal hurt. Are just, like, it just, they're it below just... 500. They're 17 and 22, even despite that recent winning streak. And they're just kind of in no man's land once again. Yeah, it, it, it really is all dependent on Beal's health. Like, it, it, he just can't stay on the floor. It, it's like the Wizards are snake-bitten when they give someone a good contract. It happened with Otto Porter Jr. It happened with John Wall. And now it's starting to happen with Bradley Beal. I wouldn't say it's a good contract. It was a healthy contract. <laughs> it was a it was a big number contract. I was, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. Big contract. <laughs> you know what? And I understand how much... And I applaud Beal saying he wanted to stay with Washington because of his roots there. He's got family there. It's the only team he's ever played for. I get that. I understand that. I applaud that. I applaud ownership for saying they want to keep him there. They want to continue to try to build around him. And he's having a great year. That's the other thing that sucks. But he's, he's gotten his money. And I think the time has come where they really need to say, are we doing this for Bradley? Or are we trying to build something here with this organization? And I think it's if somebody comes along and gets them out of that contract, whether it's one first-round pick, two first-round picks, I don't think you can get more than that. Maybe they could. But even for that, that's to me, that's the price of getting off that contract. Because remember, he's owed four years and $200 million. It's a lot of cheddar. You it know, is a lot of cheddar. You know, he's owed a lot. But if you get off Kuzma's money eventually, then... They're going to get off Kuzma's money. I, I don't... If, unless I, they want to keep him. Who knows? They Who want knows? they want to keep Kuzma, but I... They're in limbo. I don't think he wants to stay. Sure. I think he is like... No, he's, a, he's a big market guy. We know that. He it, he still has a place in Los Angeles. He wants to be in the West Coast. He, mm-hmm. he wants to be in the West Coast. I mean, yeah. I mean, who knows if that's going to happen? But regardless, I mean, to me, if a team came along, especially one from the West Coast that loves to have big name players and said, we'll give you a get out of jail free card. And we'll take the Beal contract. Yeah. I think you would have to strongly consider. And by the way, if I was the Lakers, I'd say I want Kuzma as well. Now, does it take both first rounders? Yeah. But I mean, I'm not saying that Washington's going to go out there and immediately be able to find signs of big name free agent. And by the way, the class of free agency this coming off season, it's not overly that great. Okay. It's just not. But I mean, to get off, you know, Beal's contract going forward, save a lot of money and start building up because all the Lakers could give them are expiring deals. So it would save a lot of money, yeah. but they can build around the fringes. They've got poor Zingas who, by the way, can opt out of his contract as well. So mm-hmm. they can really do a true rebuild. And if they moved both of those guys right now, 
that would strengthen their case when it comes to their draft pick. Right. It really would. I mean, it's, I don't think they'll go this route, but I think it's something they can, can something they should consider. Just like people talk about Chicago, Chicago is not going to do it. Chicago, whatever changes they're going to make to me, that's not going to happen until the off season. And we'll see that's what happens a good, there. That's a good, good kind of segue. I mean, I just watched Chicago play twice. <laughs> um, well, one, uh, it was good to see Vooch actually hit some shots there at the end against the Cavs because he had just not been doing that. Uh, you know, I think that's part of the reason part of this isn't working. I mean, they're getting a lot of good energy from Caruso. They're getting a lot of good energy from Io DeSunmu. Uh, Patrick Williams played well against Cleveland in his two games. Um, probably not to the level that Bulls fans are hoping to see, but marked progress, I will say. Uh, What's the DeRozan market for looked- Caruso? Yeah, you mentioned Alex Caruso. It was funny because a couple of years ago, people were trying to like, ah, this guy is mean, he's always as good or working this well because alongside LeBron. And now it seems like half the league would be willing to give up a first round pick to get him. I mean, if that is the role that you need, then... Oh God, first rounder is really tough. What if it's a first rounder top eight protected? Is the market's there for it? There's there's enough teams that want him. Is it? Is that really worth? If if the Bulls want to trade him, no, no, it it ain't that. You sure? Yeah, it ain't that. Hard. You want to bet? He'd give you a second rounder. Oh, second rounder. if it's a second round pick, I mean. Second rounder and a player. Yes, yes, yes. I think it's more than that. I really do, man. Of course. For everything he you, does You want to be able to match his, you know, nine and a half million dollars. He hits you 40. Be able to match that. He hits 40% of his spot up threes, and he can defend anybody playing the one, two, or the three. If a team really wants to be desperate, then sure. I wouldn't call that I desperation. I'd say it's a good deal. If, if, especially if it's a team that he's got to be able to prove he can stay healthy too. Right. Well, he's been healthy for the most part this season. It was last season when he was really banged up. Yeah. But I mean, if you're, if you're a team that's a contender, I mean, where your pick is going to be in the lower half of the draft anyway. Yeah. Then I, so then you, I say, say, yes. say, screw it. Okay. Say like you're the Suns, for example. Oh, absolutely. Who don't care about the draft. Oh, okay. okay I'll, I'll put I, it this way. If you're the, if you're the Pelicans, would you want to do something? Um, the Heat, the Sixers, um, the God, sun, he just screams heat. The Suns, the Warriors. He's also a Doc type player. He, yeah, no, he I would mean, fit on the Cavs. Yeah, but I mean, they're waiting on Rubio. But at they, the same they, t- they are. But, but, but yeah, I mean, like, who who in their backcourt plays defense right now? Uh, Donovan Mitchell, I would say a little better um, than past years. Better than past years. I will give him credit for that. No, Levert's been doing it pretty well. Yeah, I'd say. we'll see if Karis so, stays with the team past the trade deadline. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I think he's also something that they were, they'd be looking at as, you know, kind of an insurance policy in case, you know, one of those guys goes down. As we've seen with Darius yeah. Garland, he's got the thumb injury. But, like, right. I mean, Car- yeah, no, no but just, to, you know, staying on Caruso. He'd feel well with the Mavericks, that- too. Not that he's not that he's that big-name guy that, that they're looking to pair with Luka, but he would just kind of fit with that system because he's a guy that can handle the ball, but he's not a shoot first guy. Yeah. But is he expecting to start? 
I think he would still okay. be okay coming off the bench. I mean, he came off the bench uh, right. at LA. He's a starter right. now. And, and, and with that kind of money, you can also come off the bench too. Right. It's, it's not like it's because of the circumstance. But I wonder. I truly, I just wonder. You know, if he's comfortable there or if he wants. I to think he cares where. about winning the most. I really do. I'm not. I don't think he's worried about starting. I mean, all those other teams I mentioned where I think he would be a good fit. He's not starting there. No. He's coming off the Miami. Bench. Miami is an interest that interests me. I'm I'm thinking Philly probably not because they have DeAnthony Melton, Shake Milton. Yeah, those are they. Th- those are pretty set in that. Um, I I think the funniest situation would be if the Lakers traded back for both Cal Kuzma and Alex Caruso. <laughs> what a circus! Just that would be the never-ending like small car with a thousand clowns jumping out at the same time. <laughs> It really would be. I mean, they won't trade back for Caruso because there was some in the front office that didn't think he was that good, and they let him walk. I mean, they they lowballed him on the deal, and then they let him walk. So, I mean, Caruso ain't Car- coming back. Caruso's there. probably got the 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 bird flipped at him too. Anyway, he wanted to stay there, and flat out said afterwards, like he like he told the story, like he was re- willing to take a little bit less money, but they offered him like what was it, two years for fifteen million dollars. I think, or, or maybe it was even less than that. And the Bulls offered him, you know, four years at, what was it, 38 or whatever yeah. the number is. I mean, come on, man. I mean, they've, and, and by the way, when he said, he goes, I'm going to take that, he goes, I think I'm going to take that deal. Can you come up? And they were like, have fun in Chicago. There was literally like, we're not even countering. This is it. It's just like death taxes and Brian Fritz talking about Alex Caruso and the Lakers. It's it, it's always coming up. It's always Alex Caruso too. It's funny. It's re- Sometimes we've brought up the Javale and Dwight stuff, but it's always Alex hey. Caruso, and it's always the negotiation that was taken. It was apart. botched. It was royally botched. Hey, Javale McGee is available. He's not playing any minutes with the Mavericks. He's not. He actually helped Luca get that tip back. Though. He we'll did, but I mean, he, he normally is not playing. Remember at the yeah. beginning of the season, it's like, we're bringing in JaVale McGee in a three-year deal, and we promised JaVale was going to start, and that lasted for about two weeks, and now he's not yeah, even playing. Mavs, by the way, talking uh, extension with uh, Christian Wood. Two years, $36 million, I think, was the start. Something around there, yeah. I, I, think, I think he it was wants, Mark Stein that reported that. Yeah, he wants four, yeah. and I think they're offering two. So yeah, yeah. I could see like a two with a partially guaranteed or a team option on the third, maybe. That was pretty quick, too, because as soon as he got into the starting lineup, <laughs> you know, like as soon as he got into the starting lineup, started putting up big well. numbers, and the team went on a winning streak. Yep. I and mean, that is that is the Christian Wood ride, though. I mean, That is the Christian Wood ride. You ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. And you see how that, you know, if this continues, it is, I think that's, that's, that's very important. Speaking of things continuing, um, the nets have won oh, 12 man. in Thank a row. You. It's, uh, it's about time, Brian. I wanted to get to this because I, I feel like we were one of the few people that were actually noticing that this team was winning and winning and winning. And now all of a sudden they're on a 12 game winning streak. It's and incredible. they're, they're healthy the environment is healthy. Jock Vaughn has them focusing on basketball. And what else? Basketball. And, oh, basketball. And guess what? They're as good as anybody in the league. They're not taking the most quality shots, I'll tell you that. They just have elite shot makers by the name of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Did you see that putback dunk that Kyrie had the other night? Oh, yeah, off oh. of Yuta's, off of Yuta's um, miss. Yuta's face was hysterical when, when Kyrie did that. and did, Didn't know that Kyrie was still getting up like that at 30 years old. That's one way to win back the Brooklyn audience. 
Not saying he's old because that's my age, but plays like that. <laughs> oh yeah, no it. They've been a fun team to watch. They they've kind of galvanized all this energy, and they're they're buzz sawing right now, dude. They are absolutely buzz sawing. The day after Christmas, I saw them come into Cleveland. They punched the Cavs in the mouth. Yeah, the Cavs responded, but any time the Cavs would try to cut it to eleven or ten, they would respond and go on some crazy ass run. And go up by 18 or 19. In the snap of a finger, I'm talking, bro. I'm talking Kyrie Irving hitting ridiculous answered shots. These are contested shots. We don't know how to contest Kevin Durant at this point. He is the best mid-range shooter in basketball. And damn near close in basketball history. And it's a spectacle anytime you see it happen. And it's just fun to watch. It's those two. I did an interview with Nick Claxton. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to plug that because we haven't recorded since uh, the holidays, but uh, I did a a one-on-one with Nick Claxton. I asked Kevin Durant, I asked Kyrie Irving, and I asked Jock Vaughn about his development and the way that he's not only just one of the best defenders in the league, he's second in the league in blocks, and he's got an incredible uh, disposition to be able to to switch, flip his hips and keep up with these guards and um, he's still got to get a little stronger, but you can tell he is stronger because on the offensive end, he's finishing through contact. He's making himself available when those guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are making themselves, uh, are getting double teamed. And Claxton's cutting. He's doing it in transition. He's doing it um, rarely, but he's doing enough of, of, of pick and rolls. He'll slip to the rim. Um, high handoffs. This guy is athletic as all hell. He deserves a ton of credit. Royce O'Neal deserves a ton of credit being the stopper out there on the perimeter and doing one hell of a job. Oh my gosh, he had Donovan Mitchell in hell that game against the Cavs. That was so fun to watch. And he's somebody that I think is the perfect type of, of, of role to, to, to be the defensive stopper, to be a guy that hits a spot up three here and there, and to, to make the, the secondary or, or tertiary pass across on the swing swings. He is very good at that. You know, this is a team that's playing with some very good energy. Yes, they've had kind of a soft schedule the last, you know, three games or so. But, I mean, they did not when this started. They had to buzz through. Um, They went into Indiana. They went, you know, into Washington. Washington started getting things going. Um, You know, they beat the Raptors on the road. And then they go ahead and they beat the Warriors and the Bucks um, two out of three days. You go into Cleveland, it just continues and continues and continues. And, you know, the schedule's kind of gotten soft. Like I said, they've played, they just beat the Spurs, the, the tar out of the Spurs, by the way. Um, they they were went on the road and beat the Hornets. They went on the, the road and beat the Hawks. Next up, they've got a three-game swing. It's at Chicago, at an ailing Pelicans team, and then at a Heat team that um, just went on the road and beat the Clippers last night, but still in their own right, have been up and down. I mean, so yeah, I mean, eight of their next, what, 10 are on the road? Yeah. And and they just came off of a three-game road stand as well, or road trip. So it's all these mid-range shots, though, dude. Like, if is. you see the long twos that these guys are hit, like, these are just tough shots. Like, the, But that's what KD Shot is, quality is obviously very important, but, like, the, the, when you're locked in like this, and you got nobody trying to stop you, or you got everybody trying to stop you, I should say, and they're still going in, you are a force to be reckoned with. That's what KD does. That's what Kyrie Irving does. They're both 
elite shot makers, especially when it comes to KD. And Kyrie is finally healthy and his head's on straight. We've talked about this before. We knew how much talent this team had. Everybody talked going into the season, could Brooklyn be one of the surprises? But they had so much turmoil going on, you know, away from playing basketball that we counted them out. And then there was injuries and there was more mess, you know, happening and they weren't playing well, but they've finally gotten on track and they've gotten healthy now. TJ Warren has played some amazing basketball yes, since sir. he has come back. It's been he a has. huge part. You mentioned Nick Claxton, who, by the way, um, if anybody hasn't noticed, and I know he plays around the rims, he's hitting over 74% of his shots this year. He leads the league in field goal percentage. 74%, which is just a ridiculous number. So he's doing all the right things to get himself in position to, you know, uh, to get makeable shots. And then he's making them as well. The so feature. things are going well for them. <laughs> they, they still need another piece or two, especially defensively. I think they're going to be active coming up here the next month for the trade deadline. I'll be curious to see who they might go after because you could sit there and say they can use another big wing like everybody else, or they could use a big, they could use a backup center or somebody like that. I mean, Hey, if, if the Pacers are going to trade miles Turner, this would be a team I could see going after him. I could also see them going after Yaka Pertle. Um, I, I really think that if Kyle Kuzma is going to be traded, that the Nets could be a very interesting option as well. I mean, I know they don't have too many assets to move. They got a little, and they might have enough to get him. I, I mean, I don't know if Philly really wants to, or I mean, if Washington really wants to be doing a trade, you know, with uh, with Brooklyn, but maybe it's like, oh, we don't care who we trade with as long as we get value. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some that are going to be like, I don't want you doing that. But I mean, it's not like Washington's in contention. So right. know, we're going to maximize what we can get if if they decide to move him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been impressive. And you, look at, you, you, you look at like the, the up and down roles that, you know, Seth Curry's had. Um, Joe Harris has been in and out of the starting lineup. He's dealt with injuries. Um, those are a couple of guys that you could see probably um, being part of a you know trade, especially for how deep they are at the guard position. You have Edmund Sumner there. Um, Patty Mills you know, has been Moore. up and down again this year as well. So maybe he's somebody. Cam Thomas yeah. is always looking to to play. Got to get my so, shots, Cam Thomas. <laughs> Got to get my shots is right. <laughs> and then, I mean, uh, you know, we don't even bring him up, but Ben Simmons, he might not have the gaudiest of, of performances, but he's doing the little things to help them win right now. And I think that's important too. He is. He's still a little bit up and down, you know, but um, oh, look, he's, like, he's, he's more up and down. Less, like, this is what you know we're paying this guy for, but I mean he's doing the little things, the back taps on the offensive rebounds, um, getting up and down the floor, playing a great pace, um, not turning the ball over. Um, it, it it's it's definitely standing out. It's standing out, and I, I know people are gonna box score watch with him, but again, this is a team that is playing very well right now, is in a good headspace, and a, and Jock Vaughn has been terrific since taking over. He has. Can I give you a crazy Ben Simmons stat? Sure. The last time Ben Simmons has made a free throw was November 25th. Uh, month and a half. Yes. Ah, month. About a month, month, month and a week. Uh, since then, there have been one, two, three, four, six games where he did not even take a free throw. Wow. But that, since that game on uh, November 25th, where he hit four or five, 
Since then, he has gone 0 for 9 from the free throw line. He's only taken nine free throws. He's missed all of them. Yeah. In the last six weeks. Yeah. Whatever it is. Mm. (laughs) That's crazy. That is crazy. How does that happen for somebody? I have no idea. I don't know. But he's, he's been playing a good, good basketball. He is. And I think the thing that I like about him too, is I, I think Jock understands don't overplay him because there are some nights where he plays a, over 30 minutes, but for the most part, he's kind of in that 23 to 28 minute um, rotation for him. And I don't think that's, it's not putting too much of a burden on him. Okay. I think they're playing him the right amount of minutes. And there, there are nights obviously where there's blowouts or there they can take him out, but there's other nights where I just think that they utilize him just the right amount and they're not, they're not blowing out their minutes. No. By the way, talk, talking about teams that blow out minutes on players, go look at the Toronto Raptors and what they're doing to the start. There's games of their starting lineup recently where everybody's playing 40 minutes because their bench yeah. is so bad. And, and they're not and they're not resulting in W's either. No. That's the, that's the problem. That, that is one of the weirdest things. Luckily, they did just get Precious Achua back, and he's huge for their success. Um, but before the season. Especially because Christian Coloco's kind of hit his, his rookie wall, so to speak. Um, but like that is a team that I don't know which direction they're going. I mean, before the season, especially because Pascal Siakam is playing all NBA ball this right. year. I mean, I was one of the people that really thought like, Hey, the Toronto Raptors have a team that's really built for the regular season. and can really do some damage, especially if Siakam continues to play like he did the second half of last season. And Scotty Barnes, you know, takes another step forward from his rookie year. And, now we're at a position where they're five games below 500. They are tied for the 11th spot in the East. Their bench is a mess. It seems like there is no chemistry on that team right now. And we're wondering, are they going to be the first team that waves the white flag and makes a big move before the trade deadline? I think they wait. I do I too. I think they wait to see. I don't think um, they do a big move especially until the offseason. Especially because... I feel like a lot of these teams understand that the play-in tournament is still a reason to compete, and uh, that's one of the effects of it. And secondly, uh, not to say that this is going to happen, but you look at the Celtics last year. They're under 500 by three or four games. Not around this time or you know late December. And they go and end up having a run and end up making the NBA championship. And I think any team that's within the cusp of 500 right now is probably thinking, all right, let's see what we got. Wait it out a couple more weeks. See where we're at then. Well, then we'll reassess. I think it's fun for everybody to sit here and talk about what contending teams need, what team, what players can be available, what trades are going to be happening. Who's going to sell. That is the problem. And I think that it's, it's typically easier for teams to sit there and say, we are going to make our wholesale changes to our roster in the offseason than during the middle of the season, unless somebody wants to desperately overpay. Because in the offseason, then you have that moment where you can sit there, you take a step back, and you really sit there and you take a good hard look at your team and you say, what do we need to do? do what do we want to do? What can we do? 
and you go from there. During the middle of the season, sometimes you're sitting there, it could be a little bit too early. Maybe you didn't write it out long enough. Maybe you could have got more in the offseason. Maybe the market is different at that point. So there is something to be had for patience as long as you don't wait too long. I don't think Toronto is going to do anything during the season. If they did, I can understand it, but I don't think they will. It's the same reason why I think the Bulls will not. As much as they come up in conversation, I think any major changes that they make to that roster, and if they stay the way that they are, they're going to make major changes, but it will not come until the offseason. The the teams that I think are are going further away from actually working Chicago is definitely one. They put in all their chips. That started with Lonzo. Once Lonzo went down, that's when things started going the wrong way. Okay? So that's one team that I I see going the wrong direction. Um, Atlanta, another one. Clearly just going west. Um, That sounds like a mess behind the scenes there. And Trey Young's not making any friends. No, it, and I don't think it's just Trey. I mean, Nate McMillan has rubbed his players the wrong way before in the past. This isn't a first-time thing. Um, it's weird because when he's an interim, he's like the almighty and players love him. And then the longer they have with him, for some reason there just becomes a disconnect. I'm not sure what it is. I respect Nate McMillan with all uh, every fiber of my being. I think he's one of the better head coaches in the league. But there's something about his methods that these young players are just not buying into in a long-term perspective. And I'm not sure what it is, but it's clearly a trend. It happened in Indiana as well. But I don't think either uh, of those teams are sellers here before the deadline necessarily. No, but I mean, John Collins has been on the trade block for like two years now. He's, he's so. becoming the new Miles Turner when it comes to always <laughs> on the trade block. A little bit. And one that I told you before the season started that a lot of people thought I was crazy, Charlotte has as many wins as Detroit and Houston. That one, that is pulling apart quickly. Um, they have not been able to stay healthy. And no, 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 the health is big, a big part of it, but they just they cannot defend. They cannot defend one iota. Well, the problem there, too, is you've got an owner in Michael Jordan that does not like to tank or does not want to rebuild if you want to use the R word instead. And... It's obvious they're building block that they, they want to build around is LaMelo Ball. It's just what do you do around him? Um, we all know that Miles Bridges is coming back. They have to work out a contract with him, and I think that's going to be – I really hope he doesn't. I think he's going to come back. I don't like that story. Nobody wants that story. I think they're going to sign him. I think it's going to happen around the All-Star break. Um, I don't know what that deal is going to look like and how heavily protected it's going to be, but I think they want to do it this year because they want that suspension to be done with before next season, however long that suspension is going to be. And it's yeah. going to be lengthy. I mean, I think I'm surprised. I'm almost surprised they haven't gotten a deal done um, just because they want that suspension to start and get over with. But, you know, they've got Gordon Hayward. He's got another year at over $30 million. He can't stay healthy. Um, Terry Rozier's got four years left, I believe, at over $20 million a year. So he's a he's a good player. Um, I'm not Box saying he's not with the, for you, by the way. What's that? Sorry. Yeah. Box score stat for you, by the way. Yeah. Last time the Hornets gave up under 110 points in a win uh, was November 25th. So that's like literally a month. 
They've given up. Dude, like, <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> this is bad. Uh, they've given up 131, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 times this season. Woo. By the way. 130 or more. Brogier, my bad. He has three years left on his deal. The third year is only partially guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot more doable than you would think. But I mean, they've got expiring deals. Kelly Oubre, who's going to be missing the next four, four to six, six weeks. weeks. Yeah. What, what What is it with these hamstring injuries? I don't know, man. But like he's he's got a healthy contract, almost $13 million. He's up. Mason Plumley, who I think would have some value around the league. He's in the final year of his deal. They don't mm-hmm. know what they're going to do with P.J. Washington, who's having you know a bad shooting year, but is still a valuable wing guy, I think, who is at the end of his rookie contract. And I don't know if they want to extend him. Do they want to trade him? How much money could he get? Uh, so, I mean, they, they've got some pieces that they want to make some moves. I think the Hayward one they're going to be stuck with unless they really attach an asset to that. But if they wanted to move, you know, Rozier, Eliubre, Plumlee, and get something in return, I think they could. It's just ownership there has been reluctant to do anything for a while now. So I don't know if they really will. Yeah, and that's tough. It's a tough position to be in. Uh, you know, Lamelo can't be too thrilled with this because he, you know, he's been back for you know a few weeks now and he's been playing solid ball. But he's going to get offered a max deal on a, of a rookie contract, and nobody yeah. has never turned it down. So he's probably going to take it. Take that. The rule is take the money and then ask for a trade later, right? Mm-hmm. So I I would not expect that to change. Uh, but, I mean, they, they need wholesale changes there. I mean, when it comes to teams, they're at the bottom part of the league right now that we really think are going to be active when it comes to trades. Maybe the Spurs, maybe the Pistons, and that's I think it. the Pistons now, because Marvin Bagley is going to be out for an indefinite amount of time. Um, that just came out yesterday. He broke a couple fingers, right? Yeah, he ended up having some um, finger issues. Yeah, hand injury. Hand injury it was. Yeah. Um, he's going to be out for a while. So, you know, now I don't know if, De- if Detroit's going to go, all right, Jalen Duran, you're going to play a ton of minutes. Um, you, I don't know if they're going to try to showcase Nerlens Noel because he has, you know, barely played this year. And Noel is definitely going to be someone on the eyes of, of teams that want someone to come in and play 10 to 15 minutes and give them some blocks and some boards. Um, you know, I, I, if I had to guess, that's what the Pistons are going to do here. I mean, Alex Burks, not a, he, you know, he has one year left on his deal, but it's a team option for $10 million. Mm-hmm. It's the same with New Orleans. So, I mean, right. those are both very tradable and attractive deals. And remember for Burks, for somebody who's, I think he's averaging like 20, 25 minutes, he's shooting over 40% from three-point. Oh, he's range. always been a bucket. He's always been a bucket. It's always but, been. But even more the, so this year. So imagine if he's on a team where he actually gets more open looks. You would think that that shooting percentage is going to translate over to another team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it, it does. And he's he was able to adjust easy midseason when he came to, to Cleveland a few years ago. So, But, I mean, um, to me, those are the only two teams that are probably going to be pretty active. And I think for the Spurs, they'll take on money because, remember, they're below the salary floor still. Right. And so are the And Pacers. you have McDermott and Richardson are the ones that we were talking about. Obviously, Pirtle is the one that stands out. But, but. He, he will get more. I mean, Pirtle, oh, I yeah. think the Spurs think they can he's get one of the a first best he's, he's one of the most underrated centers. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like, I mean, do you think the Spurs will get a first rounder for him? I think he could net a first rounder, yes. yes. 
I think I do not think that Alex Caruso nets a first rounder. I <laughs> I, I do, but yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think Pirtle definitely doesn't like. I think Pirtle could be moved, and you mentioned New Orleans Noel. I mentioned all those teams before about like that are mm-hmm. looking for bigs, expect yep. whether it's a starting big or a backup big. I mean, there's there's two of them right there. That Noel, obviously, I don't think you'd have to. You, it's probably a second round pick, you know, mm-hmm. and a player to match salary. But you know, I think that that's a lot more doable. Yeah. No, I I wholeheartedly agree there. You know what makes sense to me for for Pirtle, the team that drafted him. I think I think the Raptors make a ton of sense. The, I do. the Raptors do um, because they don't they haven't had a big like since Jonas Valanciunas. They've been looking for a big for a while too. I <laughs> yeah. You know what? I've kind of tossed around in my head, and you tell me if you think he's a good fit. Would Pirtle be a good fit in Golden State? Uh, he is a ball mover. He is. Yeah. It's yeah, something against Kevon yeah. Looney. I mean, I'm, Looney has done yeoman's work and continues. I think to. they stay with what they do, but yeah, I think he would be, would be a good fit there because again, he's a ball mover, he's a rim protector, um, good screen setter. Uh, yeah, he's a team player, like yeah. like team ball for sure. Um, I just want to make sure I wasn't going crazy when I thought about that the floor. because I've been kind of bouncing that around my head. There, there could be a. Uh, it could be not the column. most athletic guy. Yeah, I mean, but, I could be writing a column, and that, that could be involved. I need to bounce that off somebody. So, yeah, Dallas, maybe a thought. Um, I think you're right. Toronto makes a lot. I of think Toronto sense. makes a lot of sense if they want to save it. You know, if they want to save <laughs> save what they've got going on there right now. You know, what we haven't talked about Brian, and I don't. We don't. We, we barely talk about him. Um, but they continue to 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 make strides here. Um, uh, in the in the East. And you know the the Celtics are eight and eight since December, like since December started, they are literally eight and eight. Um, I just mentioned that they gave up 150 points to the Thunder in OKC, and that's with a healthy roster against a team that didn't have Shea Gilgis Alexander and another starter. I don't remember who didn't play in that game, uh, but anyways, it's the Milwaukee Bucks, man. They just continue. I, I think I asked this like three podcasts ago, but like, why does nobody? Ever, ever pay attention to them? Well, and, 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 and I mean, it's not just Giannis. I think you know, Brooke Lopez is having easily his best season. I think since he's he was maybe, uh, when maybe in Brooklyn. Honestly, like he he just looks so fresh and healthy, and is playing the most minutes that he has since he was in Brooklyn, and uh, you know. Which is interesting because you know we all been on the the Giannis's of a five man train, but Brooks out there with Giannis a lot now, and they've found ways to kind of work together. He's bombing threes. He's cleaning up uh, misses off the rim from Giannis. Um, you know he is doing a good job of of being a defender, and you know we know he can play in drop coverage, but he's just being a good defender in general. He's moving really well, which is interesting because last year. We thought he might have been on his last leg, and he's—I don't know if he's found this, the the fountain of youth, but thirty-four years old, he looks—you know—he's got fresh legs like he did back with the Nets, and you know, it's Lopez, it's Bobby Portis coming off the bench and being a, a surefire sixth man of the year candidate, averaging a double double. Uh, you know, Chris Middleton still trying to find, uh, you know, a way to be healthy. 
uh, and that kind of sucks. That's been a huge but, problem for them between him and, and Drew yeah. Holiday because Holiday keeps getting sick. And it's not COVID related, but he yeah. keeps missing games because he's sick. So he's right. kind of working himself into shape as well. But that's you know that's why they bring in Joe Ingles, and Ingles has done a really solid job, and he's responded well to to the injury that he had. Um, you know, again, we love what Joe brings to the table as a table setter. Again, not the most athletic guy, so it's kind of an interesting fit when you're talking about a team that gets up and down the floor when Giannis is out there. But uh, a good vet to to have out there and knows how to play the game the right way. Uh, you know, th- there's just so many components to this team that just make it work and there they are they're third in the east right now and they're they're playing good basketball I just again like I don't understand how we don't talk about what Giannis does on a nightly basis it's like become old hat like you said we have voter fatigue and MVP races and whatnot and and we just kind of get used to it like it's old hat. But the dude just went out there and did 55, 10, and 7. But he doesn't do it in a way where he's bombing away hitting threes or Who anything cares? like that. He, he does just, it with Bruce Strange. He does. Well, here's the thing with the Bucks. okay? I'll give you a couple numbers here. After starting off 9-0 and on the season, they have been 15-13 and since then. Yeah. You talk no, about they, had, they had a bad road trip. They I did recently. They've lost, they lost five of the last six before they beat the Wizards the other night. By the way, previous that two nights earlier, they lost to the Wizards in a bad loss to them as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they, oh, that was they, a, that they, was a horrible one. They lost by twenty three to the mm-hmm. Wizards. So, I mean, they're still fighting through some things. And but who isn't? Is that, that's my question. Who isn't? It's just who's been. It's because this it's year? the Bucks. Who's the best team in the NBA? That's my question. I, because it seems like it changes every other week. Absolutely, and and you know what? Going into us getting ready to record, when I was thinking about things we definitely wanted to talk about the other day, my opening salvo was going to be: Are we sure that you know the two-time reigning MVP Nikola Jokic is that he should be? talked about as the best player in the league considering the numbers he's been putting up and then since then i got a kick in the face from Giannis, reminding me how good he is and i wasn't taking away anything from Giannis, but i just think we need to talk about Jokic even more because this whole voter fatigue and he ain't gonna win a third mvp and you know but you look at the way that that guy plays the game it's perfect it's perfect that the ways that he does to for himself for his team I think you can even make a criticism that he doesn't shoot the ball enough for what he does. And he puts up ungodly numbers and he looks like the best player in the league. And he might be, but we keep talking about Giannis is the best player. Giannis is the best player. If you want to get into this theoretical argument, you know, you're you're not going to go wrong with either guy because look at what Giannis just did. We said, look at over the last three games, look at what he's done for the season. I mean, he's been a little bit banged up a couple of times where he's taken some games off and, and whatnot. But like on a night to night basis, that dude can put up 55. He can show off that greatness. Yeah, no, I know. But like, I, I just feel like you can't really use that as a crutch. The 15 and 13 since nine and zero thing. Cause I mean, the Cavs have done the same thing. They've also fought some, Injuries here and there. They still don't have Dean Wade back. Uh, Ricky Rubio's on the men figuring out when he's going to come back after, you know, he had the ACL injury last year. Evan Mobley's had a couple games where he's been out. Darius Garland's dealing with a thumb injury, you know. But but again, every team's dealing with it. But, but this is why it's so tough to talk about. But like, we haven't mentioned the Sixers, right? The Sixers have won 10 of 12. 
and they could be the first team in the Eastern Conference. Just like the just like the West, we were just talking about how the things change, right? Boston's had they've held ground there at the top. They have. But it's slowly, slowly fading away, and that could be changing every week too now. You mean all the Celtics fans are now counting for Joe Missoula to be fired? <laughs> because they lost by, you know, 40-some points to the Thunder without Shea Gilders Alexander. There was a great quote the other day that someone shared with me. Uh, it was my buddy Bob. He sent me along this quote from Joe Missoula. He said it was from By J. King. Um, J. King, uh, at By J. King on Twitter. Uh, there was like, Joe Missoula acknowledges that the Celtics are going to suck t- suck sometimes. He says all teams suck sometimes. It's it you know it's it's you, you got to go through that. You got to have your bad stretches you to really come out you and be do. better. You do, and it's funny that he mentioned that because Monty Williams literally told me that yesterday when they were practicing in Cleveland. It's like every team's going through this. Um, let me bring up this quote. It was a really good quote that that um, I transcribed from Monty in uh, the article that I wrote for BasketballNews.com. But I do I do want to uh, read this because I, I find it funny. You have to be resilient through the ups and downs of the season. Like no team in this league is going to have a full allotment of players in their season through the season. You're going to have those adversities. No team's going to play a game where they agree with the whistle every game. I could go li- through the list of notes. You have to be resilient. We've had a long road trip. It's been on the road on a long time. Look, man, that's life. You could be digging a ditch in a different country. <laughs> you guys understand what we got to do. We got to do it more consistently, but we also understand the basketball is just a game. And then he went on to talk about um, obviously the Demar Hamlin uh, situation that happened in Cincinnati, and that was you know the basis of the article that I wrote. But basically, like what he's saying, he's like, dude, like it happens. This is stuff that happens. It happens to championship teams. Like, and it, it's so hard, I think, for the the common NBA fan to grasp that their team isn't like invincible. And I think, again, goes back to kind of, you know, generational thinking how maybe my generation or your generation differ in the way that their their thought processes go when they watch sports. But these things happen, man. Like, you got to find a way to get through adversity and, and you know, do these things to, to come out on top and to fight when you're shorthanded and whatnot. But... They're going to happen regardless. Bad teams are going to play good sometimes. Sometimes good teams are going to play bad. There is fatigue for it's the a, regular season, especially for cliche. teams that are contenders. It's a cliche, but it's true. It's it's the doldrums of the regular season. And we can sit here and say, why isn't everybody focused on a night-to-night basis? Why aren't they playing hard on a night-to-night basis? But why aren't they taking like care of business though. against some of these you know teams that aren't as good? It's because the NBA is so talented and because they're human. That's why. Yeah, and you have to look at some of these scheduling things. Like, Cavs played five games in seven nights, you know, a couple weeks ago. Like, that stuff actually affects shooting. Did they have a night off off. in Miami and stay out too late? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, there are stupid things like that Playing a game at 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon in New York. There is that as well. You know, a West Coast team, mind you. Yeah. Like, those those are real factors, man. Like, that's why I, I... The unpredictability... Of of talent and and you know some of these performances have been so fun, um, and that's what makes this this so great. I, I enjoy watching basketball so much, um, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season shakes out. And and we're gonna wrap it up here in in one second, but uh, just 
and talking about that and talking about the article I wrote with the Suns and referring to what happened with DeMar Hamlin there down in Cincinnati was I'm still really shook from it, man. You watch it happen. And uh, this is supposed to be one of the biggest football games of the season. Um, everyone's amped up. And then something like that happens. A guy suffers cardiac arrest and th- your whole world stops because sports is something that brings us together. Um, and and when, when someone suffers something as serious and as scary as, as that, um, it just kind of makes you think about how fragile uh, life can be and how that should always take precedent above everything else. And um, I think it was wonderful to see how the sports world came together in that moment. I think it's awesome to see how the support has come in for DeMar's toy drive on his GoFundMe and how it's raised over $4 million. Um, you know, it, it's it, it really kind of hit me. Um, as that that moment happened, I, I couldn't concentrate. And it, you know, it's crazy because that's the same night that Donovan dropped seventy one. It's the same night that that Clay dropped fifty four. But none of it felt like it mattered at that point. I couldn't concentrate on anything except for you know hoping that this 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 twenty four year old was going to be all right. And um, you know, in talking to Monty and talking to Mikel, they're talking about being on a losing streak. They said, luckily for us, our bump on the road is a loss. I, it is a game loss. It could be so much worse. And that really puts it into perspective for us that do this for a living and, and you know, watch sports and, and play sports, whatever it may be, because, you know, nothing else matters in the grander scheme of life um, than being able to to be with your family, be with your friends and and to, uh, you know, live a healthy, full life. And I'm hoping and, and pleading that, you know, DeMar Hamlin can do that. Um, and, and he comes out this, um, you know, terrible, terrible tragedy on the other side. Uh, well, and he's in great hands there down in Cincinnati at one of the best uh, hospitals there is. He's got his family by his side. And, um, you know, everybody in, in the sports world is is pulling for him. And I, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I mean, you watch that. You don't know what's going on. There's only so much information you get out there. And um, I think everybody handled it as best as possible. We wish him the best. And uh, I mean, I watched in sports the rest of that night. You know, you try to take your mind off. You try to enjoy everything else. It's tough. It, it is tough to sit there and you watch some other great performances going on because you had the Donovan Mitchell game. You had the Clay Thompson game. And uh, in the back of my mind, I almost felt a little bit guilty because you're sitting there going, I just saw this guy go through this horrible incident, you know, and all you can do is, you know, think the best for them and for him and, and for everybody in his life. Because, I mean, it's, you look at how bad it is for him. I mean, and it sounds like, you know, he's showing signs of improvement and hopefully that continues. But I can't even imagine being one of his teammates or even one of his opponents, you know, on the field and to see that firsthand, to be right there um, and to go through that. And, uh, or even have that happen to somebody that you have a, a close relationship to. We can all sit here and, and be fans of, of a team or, or sports, but we still have a, a seat that's not right there, you know, and we don't have a relationship with that, a personal relationship with that person. And that's, that's a totally different perspective, but um, you're right. You know, that I, it, it, it's horrible to go through. It's horrible to see that. And it, it's still in our minds. Um, yeah. But hopefully Hopefully he comes out and he's going to be okay. That's, that's all he can do is wish the best for him and, and give support that we're, to the people that need it. 
Yep. And, you know, before we go, I, I do have a little story, kind of. Um, so my dad actually used to work with pacemakers and defibrillators. He used to um, sell them. He used to help implant them and work with doctors. Uh, there was actually a moment where a standout basketball player from Akron, his name is Darren Tarver. He actually has a twin as well. Um, he had a um, career set at George Mason, and he actually suffered a cardiac arrest during a pickup game. And uh, he helped uh, put the pacemaker and, and, you know, get the right product and, and get Darren's life back on track after that. So we'll see. I'm not sure, you know, what the situation is with, with, with DeMar, if he's going to need a pacemaker or whatever it's going to be. But these cardiac events just are, are so, so rare and, and unpredictable um, with, with healthy young athletes. So, um, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to see. And again, I hope he comes out on the other side and hopefully this is something that, um, you know, continues to bring us all together. And again, I think it's just wonderful that, you know, so many times we talk about how bad people are, but you look at his GoFundMe and people are donating thousands and thousands of dollars. That's athletes in soccer. That's athletes in football. That's athletes in basketball, hockey, whatever. And even fans. Um, that that are bringing money in um, to help this young man's toy drive, and, and I'm sure, you know, hopefully he wakes up and sees that, and he has the biggest grin on his face because um, it's gonna, you know, definitely tug at his heartstrings knowing how much people care. So, uh, with that being said, uh, we'll sign off here on Keeping It 94. Um, you can find us uh, on Twitter. I'm at Spin Davies. He is at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Um, we are on Spotify, Stitcher, um, and wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Music, all that. Um, please subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, do the same for the Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. Same with the Alex Kennedy podcast. And uh, until next week, hopefully we'll talk about some more uh, great performances there around the league. And uh, hopefully we'll be having some good news there too uh, down from Cincinnati. So, Everybody take care and uh, good night.